What's up, guys? Welcome to the Athlete's Edge. We are excited to bring you week three of our Leadership Academy 2020. Can't wait to dive right in. We've got some gems in here for you today. Check it out. Hey, Coach Gooey, we are excited to have you on for week three. Hey, Coach Katie, so excited to be here. So this week, we are in our third week of the Leadership Academy 2020 podcast, and we are reading Jeff Jansen's book, The Teammates Accountability Manual, and week three is all about considering the consequences. Yeah, this is a big one. And um, the cool thing about Coach Jeff Jansen's manuals and modules is this is the second book. It's called Level Two of Four. So we're in teammates accountability and it goes all the way up through captains, training books and championship team building. So when we delve into this chapter, you'll see how you can affect your team by understanding the consequences of your actions. And maybe for those of you that are leaders today, you may actually take away some of the standards that teams can put in and, and understanding how you affect and are responsible for helping others on your team understand their consequences. So although we're looking at this from the teammates perspective, who am I in reference to the team? This one is a, is a pretty big topic that really encompasses the standards of a whole team. So wherever you are on your journey, whether you're a first-year player uh, or you're a coach or you are someone supporting a team like a parent, understanding that, that we're talking about this from a personal responsibility level and uh, we can go as deep as into setting team standards from a coaching perspective or uh, from a captain's perspective. I like that you approach it from that sense of as a teammate, how am I accountable to the team? But it can build so far as if I'm a captain, how am I accountable to the team in a different way than someone who's not? Or if I'm a coach, how am I accountable to the team in a different way as a player? And I really like that. If and when appropriate, it's important for the team to, the, the players on the team versus the coaches to hold the team accountable. We'll talk about that a little later in the levels of responsibility, but at times it is actually important for teammates to hold each other accountable and uh, typically more often for leaders, but um, at some level, everyone. So last week we talked about recognizing your ripple and understanding that your actions influence people all over your community, not just your teammates, not just yourself, but your teammates, your support staff, the little girl who's watching you play in the stands, the uh, guy who is servicing your facilities, your bus driver who's getting you to the game safely, your actions can affect all of those people. And really this chapter is diving into what are the consequences of those actions? What are the consequences if you decide to make a choice that is irresponsible or selfish on your part? We know that you are going to affect people far further than yourself, but what are the consequences of those actions that you now created ripples all over? Yeah, I think when you look at this from responsibility and consequences, they go hand in hand, but we feel the consequences or we focus on the feeling of the consequences more often when it's negative, And we focus on the feelings of responsibility more often when it's positive. So one way to think about this is what if we flipped it? What if we said, what are the consequences if I choose positivity, hard work, total dedication that I'm investing in myself and my team and our journey and our mission, or what is the responsibility 
if I'm doing the negative, oh, I'm responsible for everything that is happening. The fact that we're running as a team because we were late or the fact that we're not performing well at the end because we didn't take learning that play or that shot seriously. So if we flip those words, responsibility and consequence out of how we normally use them, responsibility for good, consequence if bad, and instead say, what are the consequences if I choose all these really positive things and invest in my team and take responsibility for what I can control? And what are the um, responsibilities I have to make sure that we don't end up somewhere we're not headed? We're not trying to head, pardon me. Definitely. And I like that you touched on how this involves the whole team and how it can affect the whole team. That was actually what Jeff Jansen led off with was this idea of individual discipline or team discipline. So he emphasizes that a team with a culture of accountability, you're not typically going to see the person who was late off running on their own as punishment and with a culture of accountability often you'll see that the entire team is punished for the error of one person. And really, in large part, coaches are doing that to instill in them that idea of you win together, you lose together. If one person doesn't pull their weight, it's pulling the whole team down. If one person can rise to the occasion, it's also going to help pull the whole team up. So realizing that you're interconnected and whether you choose to act in a positive way or a negative way is not just affecting you. It's either going to raise your whole team or lower your whole team because of it. That's a great way to look at it. And in fact, if we think about the strength of the core unit of the team, so if the core of the team, let's say there's 20 kids on a team and 15 are on the bus, as John Gordon says, on that positive energy bus and 15 believe and 15 are moving forward and 15 are being responsible for what they can control and contributing in a positive way and upholding the standards. And there are only a few that are pulling it down. We really won't feel it. So part of what coaches are trying to create is that move the middle mentality where we are saying, hey, the most people believe that if we choose to be here five minutes early and take shots, or we choose to take care of our bodies, or we choose to get our homework done and be prepared on all those other things we can control, we will be better off as a team. And you don't feel the effects. It's really when either leadership or the majority, or maybe half, one more than half, though the 11th person on a team of 20 shifts and is not taking responsibility for their actions that we all suffer the consequences. And in our sport anyways, Coach Katie, we have so many great kids involved that it's rare we kind of get a a group of kids that don't believe, don't want to be there. Um, So one way that coaches can help kids see the big picture is by saying, all right, if two missed, we're all running. Because we don't want to let it slide to that place where five miss or six miss. We want to really deal with it uh, right away with something simple that gets that point of, like you just said, we win and lose together. We, we feel that glory and we, we, we luck, we're lucky the days it's moving the middle and the positive. We want to make sure we don't let anything slide in that way. Oh, completely. And I love, you know, when a coach is in that situation, a coach says, okay, here's the consequence for this thing that happened. The coach doesn't have to explain to the player, the, to the two players who missed, here's the rule, here's the expectation. You better believe it. The whole team just had to run because of one or two players their teammates are going to explain to them, hey, we don't miss. This is not our culture because this whole the whole team is now punished because of your transgression or your error. 
And all of a sudden that player didn't need a coach to pull them aside. They didn't need all of these things. They got the point was hit home really well was simply that of, wow, my whole team is now paying the consequence for my action. And they are not so happy about it. Coach Katie, I was talking with a, a player, a collegiate player a couple of weeks ago, and she had actually been on two different collegiate teams. And her new team, she was talking about the fact that she did not have a very clear view of the standards of the team. And in fact, she felt that there was one person, the coach, really instituting those standards. And if you had walked to walked into a uh, time on the field or in practice or in the locker when the coach wasn't there, there was a discrepancy between what those standards were versus her old team where there was a high level of accountability. And we'll go into what that means a little bit later, but a high level of accountability where captains were holding those players and upholding the standards and upholding the accountability on the team. So I think when we see the strongest cultures on a team, we see those championship cultures where everyone believes, understands how to rock their role. Hey, take it all the way back to week one. You can't rock your role if you don't understand the consequences of missing school, right? I used to work at a, a high school where if you came in after eight o'clock, you couldn't practice or play. So you better understand that consequence before you participate in the lacrosse team because you want to be at practice, right? Jeff Jansen in his second paragraph here in that beginning of module three says three critical questions to consider before you act, especially if you are about to do something that you are uncertain about, have an uneasy feeling about, or are worried about in some way. Stop to consider these three, three questions. So again, go with that. You're feeling a little uneasy. Should I miss this? Should I do this? There's just that question mark in your mind. When that question mark in your mind comes up, I want you to ask yourself these three questions, he says. How could this impact my teammates and or coaches? Two, how could this impact our team's chance of success? And three, how could this impact our team's reputation? So, you know, coaches are back and forth with things like Saturday practices. And uh, coach, I'm sure you're like me. You've heard every excuse in the book from my brother's birthday party to volunteering at an event to don't have my work done, big project, group study. We've heard it all. And if you go to that second question, how could this impact my team's chance of success? We really have to think about those in advance. If I commit, overcommit myself, is it something that I could have done at another time? Is it something that I can reorganize? Am I not organized enough myself where I'm, I'm just doing this at the last minute and it's going to impact my team's chance of success because maybe I'm a key player in a drill we're practicing for a game on Tuesday. And if I don't do this, we only have one other practice on Monday, right? Those kind of questions. Absolutely. And I think it can really give players a perspective beyond, okay, I have this really difficult test. I can't do practice and study for my test. And I think when you ask those questions, they can start asking, how can I study for this test and get to practice? And you know, when you ask better questions, you can start coming up with better answers. And it's really helpful to have those questions in front of you of, you know, how can I serve my team and still be a responsible student? How can I serve my team and still be a great sibling? And I think those questions can help them still remember their responsibility to the team 
and then act in a way that allows them to meet those responsibilities and to meet their responsibilities in the rest of their life. Yeah, I like the way you put that quote. I like, I, I want to focus on something here that's not, you know, specific in this chapter, but I think is a really important part of what we do. And going back to what you just said, that that ability to understand asking better questions helps us come up with better answers. And one thing you can do is you can get your coach involved. So we know as coaches, uh, parents and mentors that kids are struggling with all kinds of things and we are here to help. And certainly we couldn't give you any kind of perspective or ideas on how to make it work if you don't come to us. So I think kids or teenagers that that you and I deal with, Coach Katie, a, a lot of teenage young ladies, and when we are interacting with them, there's an overwhelming feeling of like pressure. And I think that if we can alleviate some of that pressure when we talk about it. So I always appreciate it as a, as a coach when players say, Coach, I'm really struggling with this thing. Do you have any ideas or insight? And I think it helps us connect. It helps us come up with an idea. Also, it gives me more information. Boy, I didn't know that 50% of my team has this big exam on Monday. and Maybe I can influence something or control it. But if I don't understand it, I can't help it. Have you ever had a situation like that? Oh, sure thing. I've definitely had situations where it actually happened earlier this year. I was trying to schedule a practice and, oh, I was trying to schedule a clinic. So I go to schedule this clinic. I get everything set up. I write the fields. I do everything. And then I have one person who reach out, reaches out and says, uh, do you know that's Mother's Day? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, no. My, it was never my intention to, you know, schedule it on a holiday, especially not to schedule it on Mother's Day, especially when the mothers are typically the ones driving their kid to practice every day. And it all it took was one person going, hey, did you know that's what's going on? And I'm like, oh, yeah, we probably shouldn't do this that day. You know, and sometimes it just takes someone being willing to step up and have that well-intentioned voice and be like, hey, you know, is there a way to adjust this? Is there a way to put it later in the day? Is there a way to change the date? Because I want to be a part of it. I want to do these things. How can we make it work? When someone asks a coach or a mentor or a parent, how can I make this work? The answer is typically a lot different than if a player or a student uh, goes to a coach, a parent, a teacher and says, I can't do this. When you say I can't do this, you're taking away all of your other options. When you go to someone who is, you know, either your coach, your parent, your teacher, and you say, how can I do this? They're able to be a lot more flexible and they're able to give you a lot better perspective. Absolutely. I want to take it another direction that, again, is not in here, but dealing with uh, young ladies and some of the pressures they feel and the way that um, communication happens right now, I want to talk about this culture of chatting. So chatting to me is talking, you and I talking, talking as a group. It's talking online. It's talking on our phones. There's all kinds of talk going on these days. And when we think about the consequences or the responsibilities within our team culture around chatting, I think that's a big topic, especially for young women. We are so big on our dialogue and love to talk things through that it's important to have the right perspective when we're talking. So here's what I say, Coach Katie. When you are going to talk about something, before you speak, whether it is online, on a on a text or to someone, I have this idea of think. 
T-H-I-N-K. So the first thing you ask yourself, is it true? Next thing you ask yourself, is it helpful? Third, is it inspiring? Four, is it necessary? And the fifth idea is, is it kind? If you can check those boxes, or if one of those is missing, you shouldn't add to the conversation. Those are the really key important points when you're communicating with people on your team, whether it's on a text, by conversation, somewhere online. If it is not true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, or kind, it's probably not positively influencing your culture, your team, or your program. So that's a pretty simple way to encompass everything that Jeff Jansen saying in this chapter, if we think about, is it inspiring? Am I saying something inspiring about my program, my team, my school? Am I saying something kind about a teammate? Is it necessary? So I think sometimes we get into this like chatting about, oh, she did this, she did that, blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's, it's unnecessary. It's unhelpful. It's uninspiring. And sometimes we repeat things that we have in our mind not that we're trying to say or spread a lie, but more that our mind gets us into these conversations and you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, is that true? Does coach really not like me? Is that true? Or she doesn't care. Is that true? Or do I have a misunderstanding of that? What do you think about that idea? I love that idea, especially because so often we will see players who feel the need to contribute to the conversation So there's a conversation being had and they feel the need to be a part of it to contribute to it. So if that conversation is negative, they're now piling on with more negative. If that conversation is gossip, they're now piling on with more gossip. And I think if they ask themselves that question first, it empowers them to say, maybe this is not a conversation I need to be a part of. You know, if I think, is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? And it's none of those things. It can empower people to say, you know what, this probably isn't a conversation that I should be a part of right now. And they can more gracefully exit that conversation than if they're in the point of, I want to belong. So I want to belong to this conversation that's happening. And they're taking part then in a negative conversation. Right. Yeah. And he has three points to your accountability test. So later on in the chapter, Jeff Jansen says, your three point accountability test. I want to read this off here. It says, how do you know whether or not you should be held accountable for something or if you should hold a teammate or coach accountable for something? You can use this three-point accountability test for virtually any situation you might face to determine whether or not you should and will be held accountable for it. So number one, did you cause it? Two, did you contribute it? Three, did you condone it? It's a really good uh, way to think through how much responsibility should I have for these consequences? So did I cause it? Am I the root of the problem? Was I late? So everyone is running. Did I contribute to it? We were just talking about that acronym of think before you speak or engage in any kind of chatter. So did I contribute negatively to this idea that somebody's on the outside or somebody doesn't like someone or someone's not working hard enough? And then did I condone it? So that condoning is uh, is a tough one. When you were just having that, when we were just having that quick conversation there about should I gracefully exit this conversation? A few years ago, I was talking with a team who was having a, a, a challenging time with one player who was really spreading a negative chat. And 
at some point, the chat went from, you know, negative ideas or negative thoughts to some really specifically negative comments about the coach, about the coaching staff. And uh, at one point, one of the players decided if I continue and stay in this, so it's one thing to stay in a team chat. And the other, that, that player said to themselves, if I stay in this, I am a part of it. I condone it. So that participation, even by standing nearby and not saying, I'm going to exit this conversation. I'm going to tell someone that has control. I'm going to ask for help. Uh, that's really, really important. And uh, it's a challenging thing to do as a teenager, I believe, as a, as a young lady, that is a challenging position to be in. But there are moments when you have to ask yourself, is my proximity to this situation condoning this situation? Absolutely. And I think sometimes players get caught up in this idea of, well, that's her personal business. And here's the thing is, if their actions done on their personal time will negatively affect the team, it is no longer just their personal business. So if a player is missing class, if they fail that class, they are now ineligible to play and ineligible to serve their team. That means that their personal decision to skip class is negatively impacting the team. If you know that it's happening and you say nothing, you condoned it. If they are out drinking and breaking 48-hour rule um, in college and high school, they probably shouldn't be drinking at all. And you know it and you say nothing because that's their personal choice. You are recognizing that they are doing something that will hurt the team. Their performance will hurt the team. And choosing to say nothing, you are condoning it. So it's this idea that you are not an innocent bystander when it comes to your team. Because if you know that something is not right, something is unethical, something is you know, a disservice to the rest of the team, and you do not educate your teammate, you don't say anything to your teammate, you don't take steps to impact that situation, you are someone who could be held accountable for it. So I think that that's just something to be mindful of is you don't look at a teammate and go, well, she's a grown up. She can make her own decisions. You say her decisions right now will negatively impact the team. As a good teammate, I should say something to her about it, because if she doesn't realize it or she's unaware of it, she needs to be educated. And if she doesn't care and is still prepared to take that selfish action or that irresponsible action, then there will need to be consequences so that she knows this is not how I fulfill the responsibilities of being a teammate on this team. Right. And it takes a strong culture. When when we have a strong culture, it's really easy to see what we what we do and what we don't do. Right, coach? Absolutely. So let's go into um, some of the situations that players in high school might be involved with. So maybe a coach gives you an off-season or preseason workout and um, you see that some people are working hard and some people are skipping those workouts. So we are responsible for it. What are some ways that we can communicate with our teammates? And when should we talk to our coaches about what we're observing? If, if we're one of those people that's taking responsibility for getting those workouts done and we know that others aren't. So I actually had a player this fall who slept through our morning conditioning and as soon as she realized she had slept through it, she went, she made it up. We were doing a time mile that day. She made up her time mile. She apologized profusely. 
But the thing that we wanted her to understand was not, okay, you missed this conditioning, but it was a timed mile. She's one of the faster players on the team. She missed an opportunity to help her teammates pace. She missed an opportunity to make the people around her better by missing that conditioning session and then making it up on her own. So it was less of an issue of, oh, you didn't run at this time. It was more of an issue of you missed this opportunity to support your team and make your teammates better. And I think that that can sometimes be challenging for people because their thought is, oh, well, she made up the run. So she did the conditioning. And it's like, yes, she did the conditioning, but she didn't do it with her team. So she was unable to cheer on her teammates who were slower to help her teammates pace because she's a great pacer. She missed an opportunity to serve her team and make them better. So in a situation like that, simply explaining to her, hey, here was the opportunity you missed was super impactful on her because she realized, oh my gosh, I would never want to not help a teammate. I would never, like she's a kid who, is certainly someone who cares about the well-being of her teammates and wants to help them be successful. So realizing that, oh, me sleeping through my alarm, it didn't just mean that I had to make up the run and then do whatever punishment the captains had laid out for me. It meant that I missed this opportunity to help my team and make my team stronger. And that was something that was super impactful on her simply from an education standpoint. That actually may have been more impactful than the punishment that came up with it because she realized when she was educated on it, the opportunity missed as opposed to just, yeah, well, I missed the run and I made up the run. So I did it. Right. And that kind of goes into the missing classes or um, not treating your body well, not eating well or not sleeping well, really not taking care of your personal responsibilities, not setting your alarm clock. Even if you are the best player on the team, like you said, your whole team is better when she is there. Your whole team is better when they have an opportunity to be inspired by that person, led by that person, seen as the example, right? Going through an example in the drill. So they, she has an op- opportunity to influence the situation when she's there. She does not have an opportunity to influence the situation when she is not. All right, coach, I want to ask you about another one. So it says in the book, hazing newcomers. So I know hazing has a a big connotation when it comes to um, collegiate athletics, and we see it in the news. But you and I have talked about this. It's as simple as really uh, making the freshmen do certain things, right? Maybe undesirable tasks. So how does that affect a culture? If we are a culture where we are better together, like you said, better when we all take responsibility and we help each other out. And it's all the little things that make the big things. For instance, it's that extra run, right? One more coach, that extra run that makes us better together. Isn't it also the little things like I'm here to help you carry the balls, freshmen, and I'm here to help you get through that last run. What are your thoughts on um, how that affects our accountability and our culture? One of the things I like to think about is it is easier for your teammate who may be a freshman for you to hold her accountable when she respects you. So she is not going to respect you simply because you are older. That is not a good enough reason for a freshman to come in and respect you is you are a year older than me. So therefore you have earned my respect. However, 
if a senior or a junior or a sophomore is standing right next to a freshman while they go shag balls at the end of practice or helping them put away the goals or helping them fill up the waters in that moment that senior or that junior or that sophomore is saying to that freshman i am here to work with you i am here to improve with you when that upperclassman now looks at that freshman and tries to hold them accountable for coming up short in some way they now have sweat equity with that freshman. So that freshman is sitting there going, okay, this person cares about me. This person has been in my shoes. This person wants to see this team be successful and they have done the work to help make that team successful. This has a lot of clout for me. And it can be really challenging for players to change that culture, especially if they came up in a culture of, Freshmen, you shag all the balls. Freshmen, get the water. Freshmen, do this. It can be really challenging, especially if you have players who are bitter about the fact that as freshmen, they had to do all of those things. It can be really, really challenging to get an entire class or an entire three classes to buy into this process of, no, we are going to all serve the team and we are all going to do this, whether you are a freshman or not. And it's been really cool. The college team I coach has actually just instituted this this year. So everyone on the team has water duty at some point. Everyone on the team shags the balls. Everyone on the team helps put the goals away at the end of practice. And what it's resulted in is actually a much more pleasant experience for the freshmen. They're much happier and they also feel like they are much more a part of the team and not like they are the others or they are the freshmen or they are on an island because it is their first year. And, you know, it really gives uh, people time outside of the day-to-day tasks of your sport to connect, right? There you are walking beside someone. Hey, how's your class? What's going on? So really great leaders will use that time to connect in something that's outside of their sport. I always say to my leaders, you have to know your teammates outside of this thing you have in common. You know, what kind of classes are they taking? Who are their professors or teachers? What do they like to do outside of this one commonality? And it helps you connect. It helps them feel much more liked and hopefully loved as a person versus the commodity that they bring to the team. All right, coach. I think when you are talking about that, it goes back to that idea I had where we're flipping responsibility and consequences. So if you force the freshmen to do all of these tasks, you will feel the consequences when they have that moment of disbelief versus if we take responsibility for it all as a team we will feel the consequences on the positive side of, hey, we've done this together. We work together. We are all responsible. And you on the sideline and me taking that draw control or scoring that final goal, we are all doing this together. And it's because we do this together that we're here today. It kind of leaves no cracks, right? Definitely. So I want to ask you about something. Um, You and I, in the teams that we've coached, we have this rule called the 24-hour rule. And Jeff Jansen talks about action versus inaction. So by taking inaction on something, am I condoning it? So I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit, coach, on the 24 hour rule. So you and I have this rule that if something happens, we have 24 hours to deal with it. And what I want to challenge us on here is with that 24 hour rule, if I go beyond it, I have chosen inaction versus if I go beyond 24 hours, I'll give you my own personal uh, anecdote with this, 
my mind is still going crazy, right? So I something happened in practice and I was very frustrated um, with a situation, whatever that situation was. And I let 25, I decide I'm going to let 24 hours go before I talk to this person about this situation. But I actually let it go for 48 hours or I let it go for a week just because my mind is still potentially having a conversation that's never happened. Go back to, is it true? Right. I have now chosen inaction by waiting so long. Do you have any experience with that or any thoughts or advice for players on dealing with it? Maybe not rashly in that first moment, but maybe that 24 hour rule. The thing that I like to say to people, and um, this is actually something that coach Minnie McCord talks about with her 24 hour rule at JU. She's the head lacrosse coach at Jacksonville university. And one of the things she says is if you have a problem with something that happened or something that was said, you must speak to them within 24 hours. That doesn't mean you need to talk to them as soon as it happens when you're super fired up and you're super angry, but you must speak to them within 24 hours because here's the problem is if you hold on to whatever grievance you had against that person for more than 24 hours, it's becoming a grudge. So now everything that person does becomes a slight against you. So if that person walked by me without saying hi to me and I thought they were mad at me, but I don't say anything for 24 hours, I don't say anything. The next time I see them and they give the person next to me a hug, but they don't give me a hug. I'm like, she doesn't like me. She must hate me. And now I start looking for things that add to that grievance and that add to that grudge. And I use everything that happens as a way to support that belief that she doesn't like me or she's mad at me. Whereas the reason she may not have waved the first time she saw me or the first time she walked past me was she didn't notice me. She was thinking about something else. She had just gotten off a call and it hadn't gone well, or she had just done poorly on a test. It may have had nothing to do with me, but now I have used every single action that she's had since then to support this idea that she's mad at me or she's upset with me. And now I'm treating her differently because I'm now mad at her because I think she's mad at me. So if you can clear the air quickly, you can support your relationships. And also in the event that something went wrong, maybe she was talking about something or you heard that they were spreading rumors or things like that. If you confront that head on, instead of you turning around to your teammate and saying, oh, I heard so-and-so was saying such and such about me, all of a sudden you may realize it's something different. So it may be a different situation or it may be that they were talking rumors and things like that, but you spreading rumors about them, spreading rumors about you, doesn't help the fact that they were spreading rumors. You talking to them about spreading rumors about you has a completely different outcome than you now talking to another teammate and another teammate and then just spreading negative energy across the team instead of confronting the one person you might have a problem with. So what I'm hearing from you is if we use that 24-hour rule properly, what it means is we may not react in a rash way at the beginning. We may give ourselves some time to decompress over it. Maybe it's 12 hours and we come back at it the next day and we talk about, talk it through what happened. And then if we don't talk it through within 24 hours, we have to let it go. And if we do not choose to let it go within 24 hours, we are actually responsible for those negative consequences versus letting it go and having a responsibility for the positive consequences, which will come from moving on. Absolutely. 
So I just want to get into, as we close up here, we're getting into the last third of our podcast, the four levels of team discipline that Jeff Jansen talks about. So level one means I have personal responsibility. And we can all think about those athletes that take personal responsibility. And if you think about someone, I'm thinking about a couple of kids in our 2020 class that are just great people as bottom layer one, but phenomenal lacrosse players and teammates. They have extreme personal responsibility and their dedication to their team and their craft. So level one is personal responsibility. And if you're a little bit shaky on what that looks like, I would encourage you to think of three people who show a great deal of personal responsibility, either on your team or on another team. There are certainly go all the way to a different sports, cross-reference it to the NBA or the NFL, someone on a college team. You could find someone in your own high school that has a, a strong level of responsibility to another team or group. The next one is level two, team accountability. That's when we start to see those strong cultures emerge. We can have one player or three players on a team that have a strong level of personal responsibility. But like we talked about earlier, it's not the majority. So we're not quite there yet. Once we have team accountability, the whole team understands what they are accountable to. They understand the standards and they take responsibility for what they can control and they hold each other accountable. Then we are moving in the right direction of of success. Level three is captains confront. And Coach Katie, you talked about that moment when captains and leaders and upperclassmen are picking up balls with the freshmen. When you have to call someone out on not fulfilling their level of responsibility, uh, it's much easier to do as a level three captains confront, or we could call it leaders confront, or we could call it upperclassmen confront, if you have really rolled up your sleeves and positively contributed to all the standards of the team. And level four, coaches confront. So those are sort of the four levels that we go into on how we hold each other accountable on a team. Absolutely. And where you start to see trouble with something like a level three is if your captains are the people who who aren't upholding the standard. So if they are the person who is violating team rules or they are violating um, team responsibilities, that's where you can start to see trouble. And you can also see trouble if the captains aren't willing to take that role and to hold their teammates accountable. When a captain starts to let things slide and they don't hold people accountable to the expectations, the rest of the team starts to get frustrated and the captains start to lose their credibility. People start to trust them less when they don't believe that they are upholding the values of the team. So that's something to... Just keep in mind, if you become a captain of a team or you are voted a captain of the team, that may mean at times you have to be the bad guy. You have to be that one who is a culture keeper to the furthest extreme because the culture of the team depends on it. The people who are doing the right things but are not in a position of power are depending on you, the person who is in a position of power, you who has the loudest voice to hold true to the values of the team. And I think that's going to segue us perfectly into next week, week, which is eliminate excuses. So we started with own your responsibilities. We called it rock your role, right? Really understand what you're responsible for. And certainly if you have that full 360 view of what you're responsible for, it's much easier to deliver 
on those responsibilities and understand the possible consequences. So that's layer one. Last week was recognize your ripple ripple effect. So if I can influence it, I'm in, I'm responsible for it. And I'm responsible not only to the people I can see, but the people I can't see um, all around me. And then this week, consider your consequences. So I'd like to challenge everybody out there to really invest and consider the responsibility that you can have for everything that you're accountable for. And then consider that flip side, the positive consequences of that investment into your team, your culture, your standards, and uh, inspire others along the way. For surely. And if you are someone... If you are someone who feels like you are constantly trying to uphold the culture and you're calling people out for failing to meet the standards, I want to challenge you going forward is praise people when they uphold the standards. So don't just be the person who's saying you're falling short, you're falling short, you're falling short, you're breaking this rule. When people do things in a positive way that positively contribute to team culture, make sure that you are highlighting that. Make sure that you are hyping that up because the more you're positively acknowledging those things, the more likely people are to do them. Well, coach, can't wait to talk to you about eliminating excuses next week. And uh, thanks for sharing so many of your stories um, on being such a positive culture builder. Coach Katie, we're so grateful to have you on here. You're such a great coach and uh, have such a great perspective. And we're looking forward to talking to you next week. All right, you guys, see you next week on The Athlete's Edge.